pitches. Swung on, hit in the same spot. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> Rizzo rakes. And as you know, nobody beats the Riz. And Rizzo and Donaldson go back to back in a belly to belly. We have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have, it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things. And you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. Didn't they say, get rid of your car? Prices at some local gas stations, they're way above the average. Well, across the street from the Beverly Center, one of the most expensive places in L.A., drivers are paying this, nearly $7 for regular unleaded, nearly $8 for premium. Drivers said they were surprised and not in a good way. Remember the long line to stand and people line up in all kinds of vehicles just to get a box of food and they're drunk. How could you forget? People were hurting. And what did the microphone want to do? Forget it. Forget it. God, this is the United States of America. The idea. That people would have to wait in line an hour, hour and a half to get a box of food in their trunk. It's just unbelievable. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 84 here on Thursday, May 19th. And Keith Richards is trending on Twitter today. But fortunately... Is he dead? <laughs> no. <laughs> he's the only celebrity on the planet who we don't check to see if he's dead. Seriously. <laughs> I wonder why he's trending. How's it going, my man? What's going on? How did, how's your week? It's been good so far. Excellent. I got excellent. all my homework done. Got my columns filed. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm actually doing something. Perfect. Uh, announcements? Do you have any announcements? Uh, two. Uh, I want to welcome two people who've been listening for a while, but I didn't know. One is a guy named Frank K. in Houston, and the other guy's named Rob, um, also in Houston. So we have a nest of, of um, friends in Houston. Yeah, one of my one of my Twitter followers, Lynn, uh, sent me a, a tweet saying, "I already listened. It was great." <laughs> so I, we got to be, yeah, grabbing quite a following out there. Say, in the we're, we're, we're picking up every disturbed human being in America. All right, it has been three weeks since you brought up and wanted to talk about Ireland. Well, I'm totally indifferent to whether we talk about Ireland. I just think it's I want, important. I want this opportunity for oh, you. You to want me to start to with this? It. Yeah, let's get this. Okay. Let's get this out so there. I so I wrote we don't this. Run out of time. So I wrote this. Thank you. So I so I wrote this in my monthly note. Which, if you don't get my monthly note, you probably should because it's the it's a actually a long form version of my columns. It's actually pretty good. Um, Where can we find that? You really can't. You gotta you gotta email me and like ask to be put okay, on the list. Unregulated at energydc.org. Right? Send exactly. a, send a, an email to us. And we'll think real hard if you're if you're worthy of it. Um I draw a line between the election of Sinn Fein in the north of Ireland and um wind power. And let me run you through the logic <laughs> chain very be, quickly. This well, will be fun, actually. I'm looking forward to it. So so the lack of wind generation last year in in Europe, but especially in Germany, um, led the Europeans to burn more natural gas than they would have otherwise. Right? Now, obviously, the storage. That's right. Obviously, what you burn for electricity in the summer, you can't burn to heat homes in the winter. 
to my mind, that has led to a bunch of knockoff effects in the world, and I'll just run through them very quickly. One is, there's no doubt in my mind that that's partially why Vladimir Putin decided to invade when he decided to invade, because he knew the Europeans could not possibly cut off oil and gas imports. Uh, can I interrupt you for sure. a second? Uh, there's a story that just uh, I just caught yesterday. Is a former Trump person insists that he was waiting for Biden to come into office as well because oh, well, was... he had trouble with Trump because he didn't really understand global events. And so he yeah. had to explain. Who does? A lot of had to be explained. Yeah. Well, that, that was going to be my second thing that, that, so Putin was aware that the Europeans were in no position to push back. And he looked at Afghanistan and concluded that the Americans would not do anything consequential. Probably wrong about that, but you can understand where from his perspective, you know, you're going to give up on Afghanistan. Why would you fight in Ukraine? Um, so that's one, right? Um, invasion, war crimes, you know, the usual stuff. The other thing it's led to is the Europeans have um, essentially swiped everybody else's LNG cargoes, cargoes that were meant for Africa and South Asia um, and places like that, right? Uh, which means there's going to be some some widespread electricity and other energy shortages in that part of the world, right? Because the Europeans have basically swiped it all. And now their storage numbers are actually back to normal. Um, so they've been very efficient at, at um, rerouting cargoes is what the lovely nice people say. Right. Thing three is fertilizer prices, right? Uh, natural gas is, of course, the most important component of fertilizer. Fertilizer prices are up 150% in the last 12 months. Not surprising. Gas prices are up about 100. Natural gas prices now are up about 150% in the last 12 months. Um, that's going to mean all the marginal farmers in Asia and Africa aren't going to get fertilizer this year, which means you're going to have um, an increase in starvation and malnutrition. Um, so let's reel back on what we're looking at. We're looking at the energy transition so far, invasion of Ukraine, war crimes, Poverty and starvation in certain chunks of the world, all because the Germans couldn't figure out that, hey, we maybe shouldn't rely on wind all the time. Um, so once again. <laughs> okay. It brings me to Sinn Féin. All right. So Sinn Féin won their election last week in the north of Ireland. For those of you who are UN aficionados, I will call it Northern Ireland. Um, and Sinn Féin, for those of you who don't know, Nationalist Party, um, been for the reunification of Ireland since it was dismembered 100 years ago um, in the terrible treaty with the British. And they operate on both sides of the border. This is the first time they've ever won north of the border. They've ever won a majority north of the border. Unimaginable as recently as 15 years ago. Now, of course, the unionist crowd, they don't want to um, They don't want to form a government. That's kind of a side point. But um, long story short is Sinn Féin didn't win because they argued re reunification. Sinn Féin won because the voters were rebelling against high energy prices and inflation. In lots of places in the North, people were saying that they could only afford to heat their homes one day a week. So, which in Ireland, surrounded by oceans, it gets cold, it gets wet. So, the line from, from German and European failure to comprehend the limitations of wind power draws you to a bunch of different places, but it lands you right at Sinn Féin and the potential reunification of Ireland, which 
is a good thing. <laughs> so I want to thank all my friends thank out you, there in Michael Germany. Thank you, Michael McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 no, a, I, it, all, I, kid, all also, kidding aside, yeah. and I'm not kidding about Sinn Fein. They're going to pull the trigger on this referendum on reunification course, as, they should, mission, right? as they should, as they should, and we're eventually going to reunify the island. But the 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 amazing thing to me, and I, you know, even after 30 years of being involved in this business, is just exactly how how many ripples um, there are from from bad energy decisions. It, it all it's comes just down amazing. To energy. It's amazing. Right? And and if, if our, and, and our when we listeners in, can recall the the vast majority of the unrest in Egypt and Turkey, yeah, the and Arab Spring, yeah. was about food. Yeah, yeah, insecurity. It, it well, thankfully, we have Secretary Blinken, who's oh boy. Who's keenly on top of whatever this. happened to that guy? Oh, he's hanging out with the UN crowd, uh, and this was a statement he made recently. We meet during what is the greatest global food security crisis of our time. It's a crisis that we all know has been building for years, driven in part by the pandemic, driven by an accelerating climate crisis. Between 2016 and 2021, the number of people living in acute food insecurity. The level when a person's inability to consume adequate food puts their lives or livelihoods in immediate danger, that has skyrocketed from 108 million people to 161 million people around the world. Okay, here's my question for you, Mike. How many crises must they have to tackle and how much more money are we going to throw at it? Uh, You know, these guys, I mean, I get you. I get narratives. It's it's, but they can't. Even... The thing that kills me is no one's going to ask Secretary Blinken, "What's your role in this, boys?" Yeah, but you know, you've made gas, you've made natural gas more expensive, and you've played along with this silly notion of an energy transition, so that nobody invested in oil and gas for the last five or six years. What's your role in this? What is your responsibility for the dead people we're going to have? And the, you know, the thing is, a guy like Anthony Blinken. He's going to sit there and go from party to party in Georgetown, and no one's ever going to ask him that. The next time he sees that question, it's going to be St. Peter. It's a bad place to see that question for the first time. Yes, my friend. Okay. Um, any more on that? I'm just amazed. Yeah, I get the feeling there's going to be a hell of a lot more. No, I know there will There's be, going to be a recession. Do we, do we want to impart any more wisdom? Yeah, I want to impart two this. more bits of wisdom. Expect a recession and expect there to be widespread political destabilization. When I say widespread... I mean everywhere from the United States to the smallest corner, smallest and farthest corner of the world. Because high energy prices, inflation, recession, the populations, no population is going to stand still for any of that. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be healthy. We're going to have a conversation about what all this stuff is and what it isn't. Okay, well, what is our government doing about it? So this year we have to implement those promises And what it means is we have to decarbonize uh, the power sector five times faster than we are right now. (laughs) We have to deploy renewables five times faster than we are right now. Uh, We have to uh, transition to electric vehicles about 20 times faster than we are now. And we have to fully transition to a resilient net zero economy faster. Okay, I got to play one more because this is a recurring theme with you and I and our assessment of both John Kerry and President Biden. Yeah. 
By the way, I see Secretary Kerry uh, down there. Uh, and uh, John, thanks for letting me into your old house. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, John has forgotten about more about, in my view, uh, the needs we have for climate security than anyone that I know. Thanks, John, for being here. I want to talk about that a little bit. What's he forgotten about? I don't know. I also don't know when John Kerry says we, what does he mean? He, okay. Does he run an electricity company? Did so, I miss something there? Ladies and gentlemen, these two politicians have have been more wrong. I'm going to repeat this. <laughs> more things. At more foreign policy <laughs> plays and more wrong about more things, I think, than the rest of our modern political infrastructure combined. These guys are bad, bad news. You know, <laughs> if you think about it from one perspective, you have to think that, that the squad and the rest of the progressives, they have themselves a point. These 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 old white guys that, that run around in the Democratic Party, Kerry and Biden and Blinken and the rest of the crowd, they really are hopeless. I mean, at least the progressives have a theory of the case, right? You know, we're Marxists, oppressors, oppressed, class struggle, all that hoorah. These guys don't even have a theory of the case. Their theory of the case is, yeah, we're the clubhouse politicians who are next in line. So we're here. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I'm just you look at these guys. You're like, how the hell did you wind up in charge of anything? You don't know anything. You're not good yeah, at anything. They just keep. They just keep inflicting pain upon us. I'm. I'm. Year after I'm year starting after to reassess. I'm seriously starting to reassess what I feel about the Progressive Caucus in the House. I'm not sure they're wrong anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, about that. Okay, so about that. But I'm going to shift gears and and I, I'm going to uh, pop. We have to take something back. Uh, at least you might want to take something. Oh, back. Katie Ladies Porter, and gentlemen, about Katie Porter. Yeah, I don't I know sure if I want to play the take... clip and then I'll let you. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll let you do a mea culpa here, or maybe uh, I don't know. I'll let you do what you do. Uh, President Biden has said that inflation is the number one priority for the Biden White House to try to get under control right now. Uh, as you're out there in California talking to constituents uh, during this re-election year for Congress. Uh, how, how does inflation compare to this newly uh, important, in the sense of the Supreme Court decision pending, uh, abortion issue? How do those two issues compare? Well, I don't think they compare. I think they actually reinforce each other. So the fact that things like inflation can happen and it can become more expensive to feed your kids and to fuel your car um, is exactly why people need to be able to be in charge of how many mouths they're going to have to feed. Yeah. So it what, goes on, but I don't want to no, play no, neither do I. It. So two weeks was it? Two weeks ago, I said Katie Porter was like she was onto something. She was she yeah, she, she had her put her finger on 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 the. Uh, on the, 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 the grocery thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's Katie's story, I guess. She's actually, sometimes she's like right on and you're like, yeah, that's right. And other times she says something like this, like, yeah, you know what? We really can't afford that extra kid eating. So let's make sure we, right? Um, I, although in all fairness, Janet Yellen said the same thing. She's, sec oh, yeah. she's secretary of we treasury. played that too. Yeah. We played that too. So she's an important man and she said that. So I, so I want to stick I, on. I, I have to be honest. That, that has to be the worst possible message. It really does. It's just terrible. If you look at it purely from the perspective of who's winning and losing this political debate, the Republicans and the pro-life movement has, has actually done a really good job of framing this. 
they they're asking Democrats when when what's the line what's the line what's the line yeah and the Democrats refuse to draw a line like, yeah they Ooh. have moved so far extreme on this comments like hers comments like this this late this doctor lady who was testifying the other day who would refuse to say yeah. that there was any point where a woman yeah didn't be wouldn't be able to choose that option yeah i mean if you know they're they're in a bad spot right they if they want to run on this yeah they ain't gonna help them they, 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 right and and you know the thing about it is it, it's the current situation right the current current law in the united states is right. up, up to birth um, you know, we share that. We share that uh, with we, nobody. We share that. I think Iran and North Korea. Yeah. Maybe. On the other hand, fifteen weeks. You know, fifteen weeks. Uh, France has fourteen weeks. Yeah. Everybody in Europe has Pretty twelve, except for Finland and Poland. Europe, right? Well, Finland and Poland have are, are outlawed. Um, no, they're outlawed, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but everybody's got twelve, um, twelve weeks. So, if I were a Democrat, I think I'd just say twelve weeks and declare victory. Let it be. All right, out with the old and in with the new. Uh, her first week was a doozy. Here's here's a couple of highlights for our new press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. You know, the Federal Reserve is independent. We leave them to make their own policy decisions. We do not get involved in that. And nothing has changed on how we see the stock market. Uh, we do not. That's not something that we keep an eye on every day. Uh, so I don't I'm not going to comment about that from here. It's on every. Can I, I, I can I run through this the, real quick? The White House doesn't keep an eye on the stock market just, every let me, day. Let me just let me just. Okay, I, I I hate it when this happens, but let me just. Here's the way the world is. Literally every office in the complex has got itself a TV. Almost all of them are sw are switched onto the the quad cable things. Right. right? They got Fox and CNN and MSNBC and uh, usually CNBC. Yeah. Right. Literally each of those four has the ticker. Has the ticker. <laughs> So you can't go anywhere in the complex. You can't go anywhere in the damn complex, with the exception of maybe the mess that doesn't have a TV you on, have giving to go you the ticker. Out of your way not to pay attention exactly. to the it's stock like, market. It's physically impossible. It's yeah. the only thing on every TV. All right, here's another one. Well, but how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well. Right, especially those who care about climate change, uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders a higher percentage of their earnings. That the most fortunate people in our nation, and not let this, this that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex existential problem. If you think about that as an example. What in the, I, I actually didn't, I hadn't heard the whole quote until just now. Yeah. That, yeah. that last she part actually, is like incomprehensible. First of all, she read it. Of course, I saw that. Which, you know, I, I give her a break. She's new, but I mean, if you're going to read new. it, at least she's not well, new. She's been on the team for a I, year I and a half. Why. She's the new boss. She's new ish. The, the new head, the new head honcho. So, so it's going to be, if great. you're going to read something, could you? Could you at least read it? At least read something that makes a little more sense, a little more clear. I don't, you know, these these people. Okay, and then um, <laughs> did they not go to school like where you where you diagram sentences? Because these sentences just kind of wander all over the place. So that leads me to a, Joe Biden, Catholic school graduate. Just want to point that out. That leads me to an interesting development this week that has taken place. Um, two of the richest men in the world. No. are now competing with each other on social media 
to see who can trash the left more. It's kind of embarrassing. And I couldn't be any happier. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. To but... watch it. But, okay, serious question? Yeah. Did Don't these guys have businesses to run? <laughs> don't they have something to do? <laughs> I'm like, so do they Because I'm thinking to myself, if 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 Jeff and Elon, if they got that much time on their hands, I'm going to start calling them up asking yeah, for meetings because I got ideas on how they can <laughs> really? spend their money. So Be- so Bezos took to Twitter a week last Friday, tweaking Biden, whose who staff made a generic yeah. quote about how we got to go after the rich dudes we, we to, to, we, to shore down inflation. Which makes right? no sense. Of course. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad somebody pointed it out. I'm not sure the guy who owned Whole Foods is the right guy, but okay. So Be- Bezos tweeted, this is the owner of the Washington Post, Whole Foods, all the, the darlings of the left. In fact, the administration tried hard to inject even more stimulus into an already overheated inflationary economy and truly mansion saved them from themselves. Fact check true. And the White House responded <laughs> literally to Bezos saying that essentially um, he's just angry because he's anti-union and we care about union workers do you do you it, it doesn't require a huge leap to figure out why one of the wealthiest individuals on earth opposes an economic agenda for the middle class blah 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 blue this was a white house statement i just why what a white house statement oh boy <laughs> and of course bezos then had to respond look a squirrel bezos said mocking the white house statement they know inflation hurts the neediest the most, but unions aren't causing inflation, and neither are wealthy people. Yeah, it. So you got it, Jeff Bezos out there going after Joe Biden. Now, why is he doing that? Because he's going to he run for president. Because because he's going to run for president. So I think it's partly that, but it's partly, but it's partly. How could he be one upped? How can he get his one ups over over Elon Musk, who just tweeted this week? That he is now a member of the Republican Party. Uh, he didn't party. say that. He said he was going to vote for the Republicans. Okay. Vote, like, okay. always with, like always with Elon Musk. Right, You've right, got to right, listen. Right. Really, He is the Bill Clinton of rich dudes. You've got to read this thing really <laughs> closely because, you know. Um, yeah. Can I be honest with you? you? Always. I hope you're always yeah, honest with there me, is, There is nothing sadder. I mean, literally nothing sadder than watching a whip it out contest among guys who, like, obviously well, this, have some okay, issues. Think about it, folks. Listen, I mean, I mean if you had listen, a- podcast listeners, the, you know that they competed for who had the most phallic looking space vehicle, right? Like I said, it's like, we are witnessing the world's, the world's um, longest dated whip it out contest among guys who, like I said, have some pretty serious issues. I mean, if I had a hundred billion dollars, I, I, I would, <laughs> I would literally not spend ten seconds on any of this stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. But um, now, now, I think about what did I want? What do I want to buy today? And what do I want to do today? In addition to not like, gee, can I one up some loser on the House Digital Communications t- on White House Digital Communications in, in team? A, in addition to. Uh, Musk's announcement that the Democratic Party has become, and I got to find this tweet. The party it, of hatred and division. Division. Divi- hatred was hate and division. Those were the words. Hate and division. By the way, I love them when they played the Holiday Inn in Waldorf the other night. Hate and division. They're just, <laughs> just a great combo. This is from Reuters. This is, <laughs> this is um, yesterday. 
Tesla cut from S&P 500 ESG index and yeah. Elon Musk tweets his fury. Yeah. I, and S&P Dow Jones Indices executive told Reuters on Wednesday he has removed electric car maker Tesla from the widely filed S&P ESG index because of issues including claims of racial discrimination, etc. To which Musk responded with harsh tweets including ESG is a scam. He also tweeted a meme that basically said that this was a tool by the left to, you know, uh, punish people who didn't agree. Yeah, to enforce orthodoxy. Yes. The, the funny thing is. And he's now way out there on this. Well, I mean, he's not he's not that far out there. Most most people I know privately think the same thing. It, it's and and. The, the, the Washington Times wrote an editorial last week, this week, last week. State of Utah sent a letter to S&P about this. They said, we're not playing your stupid ESG game anymore, and we have a bunch of questions for you about it. And you know what? We're reserving yeah. the right to, you know, we're reserving our, our option to take legal action against you. I get it. but I, so, so I guess what I'm saying is I think Musk is coming into a movement that already has some momentum. I get it. But I also will say this. You and I talking about it to our yeah, legions yeah. of loyal yeah, yeah, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A politician talking about it. A oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a different level. Yeah. This now is like all of a sudden people go, what is ESG? Yeah, no, I agree and totally. the left is going after this guy. Like well, like they have now – he was the darling, right? He could do no wrong. He walked on water. He's saving the planet. Yeah, I don't know what – I don't know what he did. This, this is interesting. I mean it's – I don't know what he did other than talk about buying Twitter. The, the other thing that's interesting – the other thing that's don't 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 warmly embrace this guy, but it's just interesting to see well, you want, you how want, aggressively and quickly the left turns, turns on somebody. And and for he's insulated by a lot of cash. I was just gonna say he's got the ability to punch back. He's insulated right? by a lot of cash. If he's serious about buying Twitter, he's gonna be insulated by a nice a nice. And by the way, that's still not a done deal. Yeah, I was gonna I've say, said that's what I said. It'd be serious. You, you were the first so. one who said watch closely. Yeah. Um, it's it's. I will say this right. If I was S&P, I'd have bounced him on the China thing because that would have put him in a much worse situation. Bouncing him on obscure yeah. racial discrimination, come on. Yeah. You know, who, he, that's, a, that's, a, that's something lawyers are going to fight about for 100 years. But the China thing, that would put him on slippery footing. But you know what? The interesting thing is the ESG guys can't do that. Because, yeah, because then they're, all of, in be, they're, they're, all they're of a sudden, up to the, our eyeballs of course, in that stuff. All of a sudden, right? they, they'd, have to, they'd have to answer a bunch of questions that's about right. Apple and Nike and everybody else. That's right. Okay, so a couple of rich dudes with a lot of time on their hand. Must be nice. All right, my friend, Washington Times columnist Michael McKenna Yikes. has written two uh, articles this week since our last podcast. One was, Google has some ideas about your electricity. You should be worried. The other is Timor-Leste. Timor-Leste, yeah. The most important nation you've never heard of. Which, do Which you want? one should we talk about? We should talk about both for 10 seconds. Well, 30 seconds. You want both? Both. I was going to give you the choice, but... I'm going to take both. All right, um, take both. Um, Google thing first, right? Google put out about a month ago, Google put out a 35-page manifesto on um, – you can clock me on a 30 seconds – a manifesto on electricity. Um, a bunch of ideas, most of which involved Google um, figuring out a way to um, get data. Um, no mention of the word reliability. 
Um, no mention of the word affordability. They kept talking about cost effectiveness, not affordability. You know, the whole thing kind of left me wondering, you know, what in the world? And of course, there was the de rigueur demand for carbon pricing, carbon taxing of normal citizens. So the rich dudes at Google want you to pay more for electricity and they want you to cough up your data. That's the bottom line of the manifesto. So um, I've got to be opposed to both of them. And I'm just generally opposed to Google on, on GPs, right? You shouldn't, nobody should have that much power. I don't care who you are. Yeah, we're going to talk about this a little bit more going forward because Google has gotten, and a lot of these tech companies have gotten a pretty much a free pass on on the in the energy space. Yeah, they're huge energy hogs. They got all this cash yeah. they're throwing around to try and green themselves up real good, and they've got some ideas in this space that are not. Well, I mean, in the long run, are probably not in the best interest of consumers, I, I mean, of, of ratepayers. And that's the other so. thing, right? They want to socialize the cost of their electricity. So that's the Google thing. I encourage everybody to read the read the essay. It's short. It's crisp. It's clean. Uh, don't read the manifesto because that'll bore you. Um, written by a PR firm, no doubt. Um, Timor-Leste, right? So Timor-Leste is a small country about 500 miles north of um, Australia, right? They won their independence from... Indonesia in a war in 2002 in which the United States backed them. Okay, they are only they're one of two Catholic, predominantly Catholic countries in in Asia, right? Philippines being the other one. They are the only um, functioning democracy in Southeast Asia at the moment. Um, small country, about a million and a half people. What what's important is they have a decision that they are coming upon. They have a field called the Greater Sunrise Fields, uh, oil and gas development, about 10 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. It's a big field, right? Um, they need some money, not much, not much, you know, less than $10 billion, but they need some money to, someone to invest in it and build it. Two choices. There's only two choices. We're going to do it. The Chinese are going to do it. Now, the folks from Timor-Leste are trying to be as cagey as they can because they're going to have to pick somebody, and they don't want to annoy whoever it is right. they wind up picking. But right. their very strong preference would be to pick the United States. I worry. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath with I, this administration. I worry about this administration yeah. Although making the they wrong do, pick. You know, they do prefer to, to do anything there is, outside of the United States. Well, and there are China hawks in the administration. Yeah, that is true, too. And, and I, that's why I wrote the column because I wanted, I wanted to kind of turn, a, turn the, the volume up just a little bit on yeah. this. You know, it's a... It doesn't sound like a very important thing, but everybody is now in contention in that part of the world. Sure. And we need to we need to act as if we're serious. And acting as if we're serious in this case means spending less money than we're blowing on hydrogen hubs or less money than we're blowing on EV chargers. Which oh, are, man. We are blowing a lot of so, money. DOE is just like barfing out cash everywhere. Of if course, they're out they're 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 announcing these things but they haven't actually spent a dime yet. So, so they're going to gas the economy even more. It's going to get worse. The somebody asked bill me, starts coming, you know. Somebody start, asked me what I do about inflation. I'm like stop all the payouts, right? The um and and quite, let me let me just stop you there because a, a friend of ours said this this very thing. If the Republicans were smart, yeah, they come if in. If they and, took and, over, and, they and, would and start back. with rescissions. Absolutely, absolutely. That is where they should start. That's right. That's right. The Cause, negotiation cause of with this, the, what the Biden administration yeah. next year, if they're smart, because of the six, big if of the six or eight trillion that's 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 been appropriated, not even half's gone out yet. Federal government doesn't spend that quick. Hey, real quick on the Timor Leste thing, right? So I had a, occasion to talk to the guy who's running the national oil company for them. Interesting guy. 
freedom fighter in 2002, right? Actually on the front lines. Um, oil and gas engineer, been all over the planet, right? Learned a business like other oil and gas engineers. At the end of it, I asked him, what did he really want? And you know what he said? It was interesting. He said, maybe born of his personal experience, right? He didn't talk about money. He didn't talk about investment. He didn't talk about hand downs. He didn't talk about some nice diplomatic statements. He said, what I'm really looking for, what we're really looking for is a true and genuine partner, someone who actually cares about us and it wants a, wants our well-being. Long-term. Right. And, and I thought know, to myself- con Contracts, honored, all that good that's stuff. That's the best answer yeah. ever. You know, this is, this is the kind of guy, his name is Antonio de Souza, right? This is actually, it's Antonio de Loyola de Souza. Um, this is the kind of guy that you want to have. You want to have on your side. You want to have in you know, your stable of friends and, and, and people you work with. So anyway, I was very impressed, as you can probably tell. Yeah, definitely. So I do want to thank the Washington Times, um, not only for allowing great minds like Michael McKenna <laughs> to uh, share his wisdom with us on a weekly basis, but also for co-hosting this podcast. So thank you again. All right. Um, I want to play... <laughs> I want to get to this article. It, it is just, it's mind, it's mind blowing to me. Could she be gaslighting you? What's gaslighting? <laughs> Politico put out a piece on the 15th. The title was Biden starts conceding that the bygone era of DC may indeed be gone. The subtitle is among his inner circle, there's been a hankering for sharper elbows. Just let me read the first couple of, yeah, sure. The fever didn't break. And for the Biden White House, Everett said bipartisanship have finally taken a backseat to the frustration of many Democrats and some of his closest advisors. President Joe Biden has steadfastly spent more than a year in office insisting on trying to work across the aisle with Republicans. <laughs> okay, make it stop. That's enough. It just it, who wrote that? Now more than a year later, Biden no longer believes that most Republicans will eventually drop their fealty to Donald Trump and show a willingness to engage. He himself admitted he was wrong. Who wrote that? I have to be honest, if that's the if if he actually this, if this if, article was written by Jonathan Lemire. I have no idea who that yeah. is. If that if that's true, the president's dumbest human being alive so i don't think it's true i never expected the ultra maga republicans <laughs> who seem to Trademark. control the republican party now have to have been able to control the republican party i never anticipated that happening okay this whole article ultra maga what's gaslighting this article is, is gaslighting is gaslighting <laughs> when when did this administration work with republicans when they when the they... republicans handed Joe Biden, the infrastructure package. Yeah, which I have reservations about to this day. Of course. But it's bipartisan. They did he didn't work with them. He they gave it to him. He didn't they work literally gave it to him. He didn't work with he didn't work with anybody on Build Back Better. Look how that turned out. And they're still trying to wrangle that through. I it's that's terrible. Yeah. So anyways. that's the that's the worst article ever. I I don't even know what to say. I'm glad he finally gave up on bipartisanship. I'm glad he's talking about Ultra MAGA. <laughs> I sort of I want to see what, like the what the what the logo of Ultra Maga is. I, I'm actually I'm kind of bummed it's not Mega Maga. Mega Megatron. I love Mega Maga. It's I think much we, better. I think it rolls you, off the tongue. It's really nice. What if you what if you Hey could, Mega, are you Mega Maga? What if you could do some kind of cross um sponsorship with with Mega Megatron? <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> you gotta get Shia LaBeau in here, you know. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, you can't tell me you haven't been thinking about this for a while, this ultra magazine. Yeah, ultra, I love it. I mean, it's just awesome. They I'm never tested gonna, it for six months. I'm never going to see ultra marathoners again without thinking ultra magathoners. You just know that's yeah. going to happen. All right. Do you want to go? Uh, do you want to go to the Ministry of Truth or Baby Formula? Uh, Ministry of Truth, if we can do it, like you know, without I can do wandering it. around. I can do it pretty it. quickly. I'll, I'll I'll be tight with it. I'm gonna pull a, a clip from Fox, and we'll just let it speak for itself. The White House defending Jankowitz and claims the controversy surrounding her is just smears from right wing actors. So if it's pausing because you think the board was mischaracterized, then the disinformation board is being shut down because of disinformation? Is that what's happening here? Look, I mean, the, the board was put forth for a purpose, <laughs> right? To make sure that we really did a, a, uh, really did address what was happening across the country when it came to disinformation. <laughs> I love it. Ducey's just, I mean, this is her first week on the job, and he's just like, so, so are you saying the board was... Okay, let me let I have me to feel kind of sorry for her. Delightful Peter Ducey has had Corinne Jean Pierre's number twice this week. Uh, first time trying to pin her down on raising corporate taxes and, and the correlation with inflation, which she couldn't answer. And now about the disinformation board being shut down because of disinformation. Is she doomed? Is she doomed? <laughs> I think she is. It's not going to be good the next couple months. You're going to have radical protesters on the streets. You're going to have high gas prices. You might have blackouts in California. And maybe an indictment coming down, so it's going to be a mess. But I just love political scalps. Don't you love when one side just takes a scalp? I mean... <laughs> it's gross. It is so, but it's so true. You revel in it. Um, and I'm happy Poppins got bounced. I mean, they took Flynn down. We got Poppins. It's fine. Not really a fair trade. But it wouldn't have happened if she hadn't sung. Sang? Sung? I don't know. But if, if she was just mute and hadn't done that little act, I don't think people really would have caught on. You wouldn't have seen it on cable. It wouldn't have had traction. True. But if she, if she just would shut her mouth, not sing Poppins like that, she probably could have skated. Fact, fact check. <laughs> true. So uh, true. For, na for now, but it's postponed. It's not it's, dead. It's, 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 it's on hold. On hold. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the Ministry of Truth is on hold, ladies the, and gentlemen. The, the, the Ministry of Truth is So you're free to speak your mind temporarily until they decide to get their act back together sometime after the first Tuesday in November, I suspect. We're letting a thousand flowers bloom. Yes, we it's are. A cultural revolution. All right. You, I, you, I know you've missed her. I know it's been a few weeks, but Kamala's back, baby. Oh boy. I, and, and not, this wasn't like from this, this was released by the state department. I often note and have talked with many of you um, about our shared belief that our world is increasingly more interconnected and interdependent. That is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. What? <laughs> Holy mackerel. This was released by the State Department. Somebody trying this to... wasn't like a splice. Somebody trying to sabotage the boss? I mean, <laughs> so word salad of the week. I don't know. Back. 
I don't know. Back squarely in Camilla's should, Camilla's camp. We probably should start that that feature and see who see who can win every every week. Yeah, and we're open to suggestions, folks. If you find something better, send it over. Unregulated and energy. So, so far, she's the undefeated DC. champ, man. but she is on a roll. She's on a roll. The Babe Ruth of word salads. All right, on to something uh, pretty darn serious, and and as I understand it. Kind of hits close to home for you, sir. Here's Baby a, formula. Here's a here's a start uh, here, start to this segment. What do you say to the mother or the father sitting at home right now and said, I've been to Walmart, I've been to CVS, I've been to every store I can think of, and I cannot find food for my baby. What's their move here? Look, we understand how challenging this is. I, I, I'm a parent. Uh, all of us have experience with uh, just how life and death uh, uh, needing to have nutrition for your child is. Uh, right now, first and foremost, if you've got a particular challenge, you should reach out to your uh, pediatrician, your healthcare provider. There are emergencies. Okay. This is the this is the line here. I'm I'm a parent. Yeah, I'm a parent. I hear your pain. I'm I feel a parent. your pain. This is across the administration, our, our new press secretary busted it out too. Call your call your doctor, if if you're really if you're really concerned, call your doctor. Uh, and I'm a parent, of course. They o- omit whether or not they're a parent of a child, child. who happens to be yeah. either on formula or breast milk, younger than but one year old. Neither here nor there. The president, bold swift action, deployed the De- Defense Production Act to ship it in. Yeah. From elsewhere. Yeah. Um, That's it. Planes. We're fixed. Everything's good, right? It's Done. So, I, I I just handed my my colleague, my so co-host bad. here, formula for his daughter-in-law, who is legitimately, yeah. legitimately Legit- having trouble finding the specific brand. Anxious. Yeah. And this is 2022, ladies and gentlemen. It it's next thing you know, people are going to have boxes of food in their trunks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Boxes of food. I, I couldn't resist. Yeah. I, Why does he yell all the time? I have no idea. I what really, is that? I don't know. I think it. I think it's. He might be hard of hearing. It's got. It, it's our people, trunk. Lots of people are hard of hearing. Yell a lot. Um. Yeah, the baby formula thing. You know the supply chain. Uh, the, I'll give thirty seconds on this because I've been thinking about this. The supply chain problem. It has been waiting to find something that sort of captures imagination, like sure. you know, treadmills and cars and chips. Those are all—I don't want to say abstractions, but those are all things. We got 350 million cars in this country. You want a car? You can find a car, right? right? Everybody can find a right. car. And you can overpay um, too. It's right? Still exactly. There. Right? Still it's there. there. But baby formula. Now we're talking about starving kids, and that's—you know—you knew the supply chain thing was going to find something like this. And it finally did. It finally did. The only thing that makes this different is it isn't really a supply chain problem. It's a United States government problem. That's right. It's something the government created, and now they can't so figure out a way to untangle it. We want the government to handle all this, folks, because they're oh, so good at it, God, so efficient at it. And I know we're not supposed to talk about the big C. Cancer? The other C that you are barring from this show. But yes. I have to bring it up because oh, no, that Lincoln gets... talked about this Massive food humanitarian food crisis. Hey, we man. need more money for the oh, the, the the health guy, the the COVID czar or who, whoever uh, just said that if we don't get emergency supplemental yeah. for COVID, we're all gonna die for eight billion dollars or whatever it is. We're not gonna get the 
new generation of vaccines that we need to fight off the next crippling wave of COVID. Like I said, you're all going to die. Ladies and gentlemen, they have not stopped desperately trying to gobble up billions and billions of dollars and feed it into the economy. Yeah, why would they? We are. It's what they do. They this speak. is a problem. Yeah. They can't stop. It's like their dopamine is just boop, 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 boop. They need more and more and more. And we, what are we going to do? How are we going to stop this? You said it. When Republicans come back, we should start rescissions first. But you know that's not going to happen. So I'm kind of looking forward to the Republican <clears throat> majority. So I, we have we have more Republicans to complain about. That's going to be fun. So when I picked up that formula for you at Safeway, Thank the you. lady behind the because they put it behind the register now. Uh, and she said, this is the last one of that brand. I said, are you, is this like a big problem? I said, I'm, I'm getting this for my friends whose who's who's daughter-in-law lives in Richmond. And she was like, I got four people asking me to find yeah. baby formula. And everyone in the store has two or three. And I'm sorry to say this, but we take first dibs. Right, because they work too. there. I would, right? too. I would too. I don't blame. I don't blame anybody for doing that. Right. I don't blame anybody for doing that. So I would too. Yeah. Uh, this is a. Pr I mean, wow. Like I said, this thing, this supply chain thing, was eventually going to find something that was uh, emblematic. It has found it. Uh, okay. Oh, we're not supposed to talk baseball. Thank goodness. But I found this little gem, we, we have and I'd like to play it. So before I get to that, I think this is our end. Our ender. Do you have anything else yeah, I have you'd three, like to share I, with, the, yeah, with the group? I have three things I want to talk about real quick in five minutes. Um, thing number one is California. Two things happened in California recently that make me think elections are very important. One is um, Governor Newsom said, you know what? I'm rethinking Diablo Canyon shutdown. Maybe we should extend that thing for a little while longer. Uh, did you hear about his strategic electricity reserve? That's what I was going to next. <laughs> oh my God, That's what I was going great. to next. The next thing, yesterday, day before yesterday, he he um, he announced that he wanted to create as part of the budget uh, a five gigawatt strategic electricity reliability reserve, which would be made <laughs> what up. The which hell? Would, well, I know it says it right in the request. It it would be made up of. Um, Plants that would otherwise have retired, what he means by that is natural gas plants, um, and some storage. But really, he means natural gas plants. And it was informed by what happened last summer where they had, a, they had to bring on a bunch of natural gas plants at the last minute. They had to put in these little small modular things. He just wants to have them sitting around. <laughs> it's because of Mike Schallenberger. Yeah. You know, Mike Schallenberger is running against him for governor. and On, Mike on is, one issue. One issue. Well, two issues. He's hitting homelessness. He's, he's an, energy he's and branching out, fortunately. An, energy and homelessness. And we're big fans, by the way, here yeah. at, at the American and, Energy and, Alliance. And he's made convincing cases that Diablo Canyon should be open yeah. and that California needs to get serious about electricity supply and reserve capacity. And the only reason Gavin Newsom did either of those things is because Mike Schallenberger is sitting there talking about him. He may but, not win, but he's changed. Okay, he's but changing the conversation. I got to tell you, like, only an idiot would propose a government strategic electricity reserve. I think it's like, great. What in the hell? How about you just let the system work? I, I, I think it's great, like, and I'll tell you why. Because it's the first acknowledgement by any elected official. That, that the Green New Deal is that reliability, is that reliability is super important, and we obviously can't trust the electricity guys to give us give it to us because they've been giving us these these ridiculous things, you know, these these ridiculous okay. market devices that don't account sufficiently for reliability. And they have also been mandating 
what sources we use out of Sacramento. Yeah. They've yeah. been micromanaging yeah, yeah. liability mean, it's, it's, for this it, and that. I mean, they a, have created the problem that they now want to create just, a government so solution agreed, to. Agreed. But I'm just thrilled that they acknowledge there's a problem. Yeah. As a you know, first but, step. But the but but we're still on the climate jag. We right? are existential threat. Oh well, yeah, yeah. So. Well, but you know what? We don't. We want those natural gas plants too. All right. What, what else you got? Because we got to wrap it up. Diesel, um, diesel fuel is now um, selling for about seven bucks in the in the um, in the New York area. That's about three hundred dollars a barrel for those of you keeping score. Um, we're heading towards some rough. And I wrote, a, I wrote, north I'm, of a thousand dollars a tank yeah, for a trucker. For a trucker, I mentioned this. I mentioned this in my monthly note. We are heading probably next year, maybe at the end of this year. There's going to be some pressure in America, uh, political pressure in the United States, not to export refined products, crude products, or natural gas, because eventually it's going to cause prices to equilibrate across the globe. Not directly equilibrate, but. We're getting affected by global pricing. The more you export, the more you get affected by global pricing. You see that in the diesel market right now, right? You, suppliers, marketers can sell to Europe. They can sell to New York. It doesn't matter. They just want to make their seven bucks a gallon. Eventually, somebody in the United States, some politician, and I don't know who it's going to be, right or left, could be either, is going to get up and say, this is nonsense. Our guy should have first dibs on this stuff. I don't sure, I'm not sure what I think is the right answer. I'm pretty confident the right answer is don't let the government in the door. But it's going to be difficult to resist. And I think people who make, people who find, make, and sell um, oil and natural gas and refined products should be thinking about that right now because it's the fight we're going to be in yeah. in six months. That's thing too. Well, we should you know have a strategic diesel reserve too. <laughs> I mean, that's while we're at it, right? Let's um, do it. it I've been opposed to the SPR my whole life. I've always said that the entire purpose of it was political. We have an SPR. It's called and, our inventory. It's called exactly. And we we have a an administration who is allowing us to access less than two percent of it. Exactly. It, it, and that's the SPR was a mistake. We should close it. Anyway, last thing, um, elections. Right in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano is going to be the Republican nominee and for governor. Who knows who's going to be the Republican nominee for Senate? I I, I have predicted McCormick. I see no reason to, why I should change it's that prediction tight. now. They're neck and neck. That's right. And we're not going to. We're not sure what's going to happen. Doctor Oz, of course, the uh, quote unquote Trump fueled candidate, which the the press is going salivating all over. I would so, like I would like him to lose because I I don't I don't. I, he's not a Republican. He's not a Republican, and I don't think he'd be a good senator. I agree. Um, I know that's a crazy crazy uh, metric to put on. A Senate race, but um, Mastriano is going to um, probably not win, and it's going to affect. It's going to affect whether the president, whether Mr. Trump runs in twenty twenty four, and I'll tell you how. No matter how you look at twenty twenty four, there are going to be seven or eight states that the election is going to come down to. One of them is going to be Pennsylvania. Um, and Mastriano loses. That's going to directly reflect on the president. And it's going to make it more difficult for him to win Pennsylvania well, in twenty twenty four. He's kind of set himself up for that because his endorsement came at the last. It was minute. a big mistake. She just kind of tossed it in there. It was a big mistake. I, I of all the mistakes that have been made in this cycle by the by, um, Mr. Trump and his team, that's the worst one because it's in a really important state and it's going to affect everybody's psychology about twenty twenty four. He was going to win anyway. I mean, 
Barletta Correct. didn't even come close. Correct. Right. Correct. So he could have stayed out of Correct. That. He now he owns him and right. that and owns him in and all the way. They, they can play that against him also and add to the mega ultra mega deal, right? Yeah. So but one other thing I want to talk about. But I'll tell you for Pennsylvanians and our friends in the shale uh, space, yeah, buckle should. up because the L the the guy running Fetterman. He uh, no, Fetterman's no, running no, for Senate, no, I'm the, sorry. The governor yeah. candidate yeah. is is bad, bad, bad news. Yeah. Ultra lefty. So, so so two other quick notes. One in Oregon, Kurt Schrader lost, I think, his race. Um, Kurt Schrader is the, the furthest rightward guy in the second furthest rightward guy in the Democratic caucus, House caucus. I think he lost. Um, that's probably a bad sign. It means that caucus is going to swing left. The other thing is the New York redistricting, right? The special master came out with his map. Judge signs off on this tomorrow, I think. Which or Monday in New York. Okay. Sorry, the the House redistricting. I was um, thinking Florida. There's, Florida's still in flux, too. Right? I think so. Yeah. Originally, the New York Democrats got greedy and set up a map in which there were going to be 22 Democratic seats yeah, and four Republican seats. Of course, they did save their they, – they saved a couple of their seats by rigging the census, too. That's right. The The map is going to – the map the, – the, the master's map looks a lot more like a 16-10 split. Um, but the interesting thing is it's going to require no fewer than five matchups between Democratic incumbents. Um, which is going to be interesting. The DCCC guy, Sean Patrick Maloney, has already announced he's going to run against Mondaire Jones in, in Mondaire's district. Um, as you may imagine, people are like, how can the guy who's running the DCCC run against an incumbent? There we are, folks. Politics, baby. Politics, me first. Baby. There you go. Me always. Anyway, that's it for me. Okay. Um, there was a lot of primaries on Tuesday, and yeah, I think it was kind of a mixed bag for both Trump and the conservatives yeah, I think and that's right. the establishment on the Republican side. And quite frankly, the Democrats are still, um, they're still duking it out between their, their progressive. They, they lost a, they, they fielded some lefties in districts that they might lose as a result. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their caucus, uh, Oregon, is, for example, is going to be uh, interesting yeah, this cycle. That's right. The Kurt Schrader there could season. be a couple of seats in they, play there. They, so, they're going to their their caucus as we've said before their caucus is going to swing left our caucus is probably going to stay where it is just a guess probably okay we we are uh going to close out with this this fun little doozy and yes hillary it's about sports <laughs> On the field hits turn into postgame punches between parents and an umpire in the parking lot we have never seeing this amount of bad behavior, especially by parents of young athletes. This ugly scene playing out after the Del Campo Buhawk Colony High School playoff game on Monday, where the Cougars defeated the Thunder 3-2. to two. A Del Campo parent capturing this video of the winning run on a close play at the plate. This cannot turn on the rightness or the wrongness of the calls that they're making. What are you expecting? NBA proficiency or MLB proficiency here. He says this video highlights a growing problem. The main reason that people are getting out of officiating is because of this bad behavior. This is just great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the video. We're going to put this in the show notes. The the video, the, the umpire is in the parking lot and he literally gets surrounded by parents, and they start wailing on them because of the call. That's 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 not my favorite story in baseball this week. My favorite story was the guy who slugged the what 
one of the players just slugged one of the other kids in the in the slap line in a handshake <laughs> line after the game. One. Yeah, I think he was in South one. Carolina. One of the guys just hauled off and socked him. And I thought, yeah, you know, everybody who's ever played has thought about doing just that in a slap line. I love it. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this episode of the Unregulated Podcast. Till next week. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is, See y'all later. That is not age, bro. <laughs> Namaste. Hey.